Words are spiritual seeds, and when planted, they yield fruit. In the camp of the born again, the seed is the word of God, Matthew 13, 3 through 23. And when it is mixed with faith, the cornucopia of God's promises is open to those with eyes to see. In the camp of the damned, the seed is still the word of God. But when it is mixed with unbelief, the gates of darkness, despair, death, and everlasting judgment are the outcome. Jesus defines the two camps in John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You know a tree bites fruit, and the fruit tells the story. Satan's camp, the camp of unbelief, is the camp of steal, kill, and destroy, and it is the home of the spiritually blind, deaf, dumb, bound, and dead. Ephesians 2.1 speaks of man's condition prior to salvation, who were dead in trespasses and sins. The fruits of the devil's camp include self-absorption, lust, hatred, bitterness, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, theft, murder, and the list is dark and long. Jesus Christ's camp, the camp of faith and obedience, is the camp of life and life more abundantly, even eternally. Galatians 5, 20 through, uh, through 23, describes the fruits from the Christ tree. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. The difference between the two camps is stark indeed. Dear Visitor, did you know that Jesus Christ said you must be born again to see the kingdom of God? John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again means born a very real second time, this time of the Spirit of God. At this place, everything changes for you, absolutely everything Today, all your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. You will be blood-bought. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken, no matter how daunting they appear. The chains will be demolished. In just a moment, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt, and if you do, you will participate in the greatest miracle man can know. Today, Satan's doors of bondage will be blown wide open and you will march out of the devil's death camp with a glorious smile on your face, and for the first time, you will be able to sing the heavenly song of the soul set free. Your eternal future is in your hand. Here is the simple prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 5, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition." 
who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. God said, 1 Corinthians fifteen three through 8. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. God said, Hebrews 1, verse 3, Who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Man said, With all the great advances in science, now including AI, artificial intelligence, theorists predict that in the very near future we will begin to live forever. Wow! Can you imagine? More sessions with my psychiatrist as we ferret out whether I'm a boy or girl or why I'm all screwed up in my head? Living forever sounds fantastic as long as a terrorist or a drive-by shooter or a mass murderer doesn't get to me, or I run into a cement truck or end up in an insane asylum. <laughs> Sounds great, doesn't it? Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1,161, that will once again contend for the faith. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as bait for the fishers of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's face shine upon you and your house with light and truth. Presently, the God Said, Man Said Undeniable Proof Series lists 365 proofs, proofs from all academic disciplines that shout God is and that he is a reward of them to diligently seek him. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Undeniable proofs 366 to 370 follow. Undeniable proof number 366. Could the following verses be true? Psalms 91, 7 through 11. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Oh, they're true, all right. Example. God's word commands men against looking upon a woman to lust after her, and of course, the, this includes women lust, lustfully uh, looking upon men. Matthew five twenty eight. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Pornography is devastating the global population. In the camp of the disobedient, in twenty twenty two, 
40, 40, 40 now, that's 40 million U.S. adults regularly visited pornographic websites. 32%, 12.8 million of those adults, believe their consumption of pornography has reached problematic or addiction levels. Pornography addiction has contributed to 56% of divorces globally. In the camp of the obedient, porn addicts and porn-causing divorces, zero. Example, God commands his people to go to church. Consider this paragraph from the God Said, Man Said feature, The Power of Going to Church. Hundreds of studies have been and are presently being conducted to ascertain whether there is any connection between religious faith and health. Some of the latest results are shocking to the unbelieving world. In the 1999 uh, results of a study conducted by the University of Texas, when it was published, this is what they found. 22,000 people were followed over a nine-year period. Those who attended church or synagogue more than once a week lived an average of eight years longer than those who didn't. Let me say it another way. Those who attended church more than once a week lived 2,920 days or 11% longer than those who didn't. A Yale study reported that the churchgoers were less likely to become physically uh, uh, disabled. In a syndicated article released by Knight Ritter newspapers that was recorded, several studies concluded that people who attended religious services regularly are hospitalized less often and have stronger immune systems than people who rarely or never attend, end of quote. Let's take these numbers in reverse. Those who go to church more than once a week live 11% or eight years longer. For discussion's sake, let's assume that 20% of the U.S. population falls into this category. Also assume 80% does not go to church more than once a week. Here's the math. 300 million U.S. population times 0.8 that go to church one or less times in church per week equals 240 million people times eight years lost equals 1,920,000,000 total years lost in America. In the camp of the unchurched, the aggregate loss of years, 1,000,000,000, excuse me, 920,000,000. In the camp of the churched, the aggregate loss of years, zero. Example, God commands against murder. It's in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 13. In the camp of the disobedient, the CDC reports the United States had 26,031 homicides in 2022, which included murder and manslaughter. For argument's sake, let's assume that in 90% of these homicides, the offender only murdered once. That translates to roughly 23,428 murderers in the U.S. in 2022. In the camp of the obedient, the number of murderers? Zero. How literal, then, is Psalms 91, 7? A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thy dwelling. Undeniable proof, 367. The world's history is measured in the name of God's singularity, Jesus Christ. It galls the skeptics that this is the same Christ whom the ignorant refuse to acknowledge even existed in the first place. In despite of their railings, all people, skeptic and believer alike, are born in his name. For example, 
the official birth date of a Christ denier born on January 1, 1990, would be January 1, 1990 A.D. A.D. is the abbreviation that stands for Anno Domini, which is Latin for in the year of our Lord. Events that occur before Christ's birth are dated B.C. or before Christ. The skeptic is born in his name, will live every moment in his name, and will die in his name, yet deny the Christ of glory all the while. How sad! How disappointing! The following excerpts are from J. H. Tyner's book, The World of Mathematics. A time-measuring system has to have a starting point. The day is measured from midnight. Years are measured from midnight on January 1. Longer periods of time are given as A.D. or B.C. These are references to the birth of Jesus Christ. Until about the 1500s, people counted years based on the king who ruled at that time. For instance, the Bible, in the Gospel of Luke, describes the year John the Baptist began preaching as the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Luke 3, verse 1. Counting years by different kings can be confusing. The 15th year of the reign of the king of one country might be entirely different from the reign of the king of another country. The new Gregorian calendar also officially changed how years were numbered. Jesus was called the king of kings. People began measuring the years from the date they thought Jesus had been born. Years after his birth are designated A.D. The letters are from Anno Domini, meaning in the year of our Lord. Years before his birth are given the letters B.C., which means before Christ, end of quote. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and every second revolves around him because this pleases the Father. Everything revolves around Jesus Christ, God's allness, his singularity, and that's whether carnal man likes it or not. Man's science seeks the singularity, and hallelujah, we have found him. Undeniable Proof 368. The Jewish people originally had a mobile tabernacle where God met with them. This tabernacle was created under Moses and served the Israelites well past the years of Joshua. The shepherd king, King David, began the process of building a permanent, fixed temple on Mount Moriah, which is today the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, a property that King David personally had purchased. Approximately 500 years later, as a result of Israel's rebellion against God, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, destroyed the Jewish temple. The remnant people repented of their sins, and the temple is rebuilt under the reign of the Medes and the Persians, but will once again be destroyed by the Romans in 70 A.D. There is no temple now. The Bible clearly prophesies a third temple must stand in the very last days. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 5, is just one of the many passages in Scripture that declare this prophecy. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 
Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? An organization known as the Temple Initiative exists in Israel, and they are preparing for the third temple on Mount Moriah. In preparation, this organization has undertaken the following biblical steps. Levitical priests have been identified using DNA testing. Priestly robes have been made. The Red Heifer Project is fully underway. Temple utensils have been constructed. A portable altar has been created. And the Temple Initiative has said they are prepared to perform the Jewish Passover. In six months, according to one, uh, a Jewish temple could once again function. Well, this background information, Dr. Grant Jeffries writes in The New Temple and the Second Coming. Using information found in the Copper Scroll, one of the Dead Sea Scrolls, an archaeological team, which included one of my friends, launched a search to recover the sacred oil of anointing which had been lost since the first century. The team searched Cave 11 in Qumran and found a clay vessel approximately five inches high that contained oil that had solidified as a gelatin-like substance, somewhat like molasses. The clay jar had been wrapped in palm leaves and was buried three feet deep in a pit, which helped protect the oil from the extreme high temperatures in the Dead Sea caves. The oil in the jar was an unusual incense oil, and it was possible that the oil contained the five ingredients the Bible requires for the oil for anointing Israel's kings. The same oil was also used as the fragrance on the, on the oblation to create a sweet-smelling savor. This sacred oil of anointing, known as the Shemen Afarsimon, originated during the Exodus. God commands Moses to create the oil of anointing using five ingredients. This is what it says. Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh, five hundred shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half so much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of oil, uh, olive oil and hen, and thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of apothecary. It shall be an holy anointing oil. And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, and the ark of the testimony. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, and they may, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This shall be an holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. Exodus 30, 23 through 26, and verse 30 and 31. When the oil uh, that was discovered in Cave 11 was analyzed, it was shown to be composed of five ingredients exactly as God had commanded Moses. Carbon-14 radioactive dating indicated that the oil is almost 2,000 years old from the time of the Second Temple. The Talmud declares that a drop of this special oil will cause water to turn milky white. It is alleged that this oil did, in fact, turn water milky white. The Israel Museum verified that the composition of the oil is unlike that of any other oil they have evaluated. Intensive studying by the pharmaceutical department of Hebrew University established that the oil inside the clay vessel was the ancient oil of anointing. It was given to the two chief rabbis of Israel for safekeeping. One of the five ingredients in this oil is the rare persimmon or balsam, a oil, 
which was so valued by the Egyptian queen Cleopatra that she asked her lover, the Roman general Mark Antony, to give her a grove of balsam trees and a wadi near Jericho. In fact, there were only two groves in the whole of the Middle East where this precious balsam trees grew, one in Jericho and another in a wadi near En Gedi on the west side of the Dead Sea. When it became apparent that the Romans were going to destroy Jerusalem and the temple, priests burned the two groves of balsam trees to keep them out of the hands of the Romans. However, with the destruction of the only two existing balsam groves, it became impossible to reconstitute the ancient oil of anointing. Some Jewish scholars argued that the inability to create the legitimate oil of anointing would prevent the Jews from ever resuming legitimate temple worship. Without the oil of anointing, it would seem impossible to anoint the sacred objects and the priest. However, the discoverer of this ancient sample of the oil of anointing makes it possible to anoint the temple, the sacred vessels, the Kohen and priests descended directly from the sons of Aaron and the Messiah, King of Israel. I believe the discovery of the ancient oil of anointing will prove to be a key event in setting the stage for the fulfillment of the prophecies in the last days. With the anointing oil now in the possession of Israel's chief rabbis, the temple can be rebuilt and temple worship can be reinstituted. The third temple, the Ark of the Covenant, the Table of Showbread, the Menorah, the Incense Altar, the Altar of Burnt Offering, and the Kohanim will be anointed with the sacred oil. Jesus will finally be anointed as Israel's Messiah by the high priest using the consecrated oil of anointing when he returns in glory to save Jerusalem from the armies of the Antichrist. Jesus will cleanse the third temple and establish his kingdom forever. When the Lord returns, the oil of anointing will be used to usher in his messianic rule. End of quote. Undeniable proof number 369. Eyewitness accounts of Christ stand in defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 1, the number who witnessed the ascension of Christ in heaven, into heaven appears to be 120. And 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8 lists more. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. The following paragraphs are from Dr. Grant Jeffrey's book, The Signature of God. Although Christians were subjected to the most brutal and terrifying forms of torture and martyrdom, there is no record that any Christian ever declared that the gospel accounts of Jesus Christ were in error. If they had denied the reality of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, Roman judges would have set them free. Obviously, if any believer had known that the biblical account documents were false or in error, he or she would have made that known rather than suffer the violence of torture and death. And if any believers had made such allegations against the Bible's reliability, it is certain that the Roman authorities would have widely published such denials of the truth of the gospel accounts. Biblical statements about Christ's death and resurrection 
if called into question by his followers, would have been broadcast widely throughout the empire. However, despite the fact that a large number of official Roman records and a much larger number of Christian writings have survived until today, we cannot find evidence of a single eyewitness to the events described in the Gospels who ever denied their truthfulness. This fact is of outstanding importance in assessing the reliability and truthfulness of the Gospel records. Those who were eyewitnesses to the events portrayed in the Gospels went to their death rather than deny the accuracy of the biblical accounts. End of quote. Undeniable proof. 370. Jesus Christ is the singularity, the oldness of all creation. Everything by design must revolve around him because this pleases the Father. Nuclear physics knows this as QCD or quantum chromodynamics. Dr. Gillen weighs in regarding nuclear physics and QCD in his book Believing is Seeing. We scientists believe the universe is pushed and pulled by four different forces. The strongest one, aptly named the strong force, holds together atomic nuclei the way corn syrup holds together popcorn balls. The strong force is at the very core of our physical being. It's what holds us together. Without it, poof, we disintegrate and blow away like dust in the wind. And that's not all. The strong force is a profound mystery. It originates deep within atomic nuclei, out of sight, and what we call quarks, the invisible and enigmatic components of protons and neutrons, end of quote. Without the strong force, Dr. Gillen writes, without it, poof, we disintegrate and blow away like dust in the wind, end of quote. Everything, the earth, its universe, the life forms that inhabit it, Everything was made out of the invisible by God. He most literally spoke all things into existence with his words of intent, and he spoke through Jesus Christ. It is also the power of these very words that nuclear physics knows as the strong force which holds all things together. Hebrews 1, 3 speaks of Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He upholds all things by the word of his power. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him. All things consist. By Jesus Christ, all things consist. The Oxford Dictionary defines consist. To have a settled existence, subsist, hold together, exist. Can you imagine? The dictionary references Colossians 1.17 just quoted. In the strong force, nuclear physics has discovered the singularity that holds all things together. Thousands of years before science came to that conclusion, the children of God were already there, enjoying the bounties of the beautiful book. What science calls the strong force, we correctly call Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. 
Without Jesus Christ, we would all go poof. There are nearly 1,000 undeniable proofs housed in the 1,161 God Said, Man Said features presently on this website. Thus far, we have published 370 of them in the Jot and Tittle series. God's Word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. Choose Jesus Christ and live life and live it more abundantly. If you want to be part of the amazing proofs, click on the further with Jesus now. God said, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 5. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? God said, 1 Corinthians fifteen three through 8 For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. God said, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Man said, with all the great advances in science, now including AI, artificial intelligence, theorists predict that in the very near future, we will begin to live forever. <laughs> wow, can you imagine? More sessions with my psychiatrist as we ferret out whether I'm a boy or girl or why I'm all screwed up in the head. Living forever sounds fantastic. As long as a terrorist or a drive-by shooter or a mass murderer doesn't get to me or I run into a cement truck or end up in an insane asylum. Sounds great, doesn't it? Now you have the record.